This is Pause for Thought, a podcast brought to you by Petstock Assist on behalf of Animal Therapies Limited. Today you are going to learn about a project which has the potential to change all our lives and certainly save thousands around the world thanks to the special abilities of our canine friends. Many of you will have heard of a study led by the University of Adelaide since 2020 to train 15 Labradors to sniff out the scent of COVID-19 on an infected person with remarkable accuracy. With a sense of smell up to 100,000 times more powerful than a human's, it's perhaps no surprise that dogs can reliably detect hundreds of different scents. But their success doesn't stop with COVID-19. As we will hear today from Dr. Anne-Lee Chabert, who has led the COVID sniffer dog trials, canine biodetection is an emerging global field in medical and scientific research. It is possible that in the not-too-distant future, specially trained dogs could be an early screening tool for dozens of diseases that humans still struggle to detect. Anne-Lee, thank you for joining me on Pause for Thought today. Thank you for inviting me. In the past two years, the world has found a new screening tool for COVID that is both fast and reliable and comes with a wet nose and a wagging tail. Before we discuss that in any depth, I think it would be useful to explain just why a dog's sense of smell is vastly superior to a human's. Yeah, they do have much more cells in their nose that actually not only capturing the odor, but um, that are also sending all those odors to their brain. And they've got a huge olfactory bulb uh, that is actually helping them to process all those information. In addition, anatomically, they are built to actually have an airflow that goes directly to this olfactory epithelium. This is much larger than our olfactory epithelium. Is there an evolutionary reason why that's so? Yes, very likely. You know that dogs evolved from wolves and they were using uh, their olfactory sense for hunting. Um, So, yes, there is an evolutionary reason. Okay, so in Australia, you have been involved in, um, well, it's an international project to train 15 Labradors to detect the signature odour of COVID. Can you just discuss that process and how effective it has been in trials at um, at different airports around the country? Yes, so we started with the first group of dogs, there were 15 uh, dogs. We trained them first in uh, our training area. We were um, collaborating with the Australian Border Force. So they trained seven dogs uh, in Melbourne and we trained eight dogs at the University of Adelaide. And in these control settings, they were incredibly accurate. We were training them using sweat samples of people that were infected. And then we collected sweat samples from other people who were also infected and asked them to find the sweat sample among negative samples or samples from people who were not uh, infected by COVID-19. And their accuracy rate was actually quite um, flabbergasting. We were between 95 to 98% accuracy. Is there a reason a person's sweat is used? Is that the most accurate marker of COVID or it wouldn't be breath or urine or skin swabs or was it just easier? Um, so we use uh, sweat um, in this control setting and also at the airport because after we move to the airport environment, because everyone sweats all the time, it's, it's a very easy um, sample to get. 
Uh, we just asked people to put uh, a swab under their armpit for two minutes, and that was it. And also because we've done PCR, so it's, um, it's a tool to actually detect genetic material from the virus on sweat sample. And they were all negative. So we knew that sweat was not infectious and it was safe to handle. So we decided sweat because it's safe and very easy to get. Breath is actually, we could use mask. Mask is also working extremely well, but obviously masks are infectious. So we avoid using masks. Okay. And did you find that some dogs picked up the scent more readily than others? And were any of them confused depending on the viral load that a person carried? No, but it's a very interesting question. Well, it's no and yes. Some dogs are extremely sensitive. And sensitive is the ability to um, detect someone that is positive when this person is truly positive. When they are very sensitive, they are a bit less specific, meaning that sometimes they give an answer saying, oh, this person is positive, but actually this person is not positive. So it's a false positive. So the dogs that are very sensitive are a bit less specific. And some dogs are very specific. So if they give you an answer, you know, it's it's correct, but they're a bit less sensitive. So meaning they miss some positive cases. So we actually, because we know which dog are very sensitive and which dog are very specific, what we've done at the airport is we were pairing the dogs. So we were putting a very sensitive dog with a very specific dog, and all the samples were run by two dogs. You used Labradors for this study. Uh, is there any reason for that? Would any other breed have worked? Actually, I think all dogs could do it, um, but we needed to have dogs that have uh, got a good work ethic that like to, um, to do this kind of work and that have got a good public perception because now we are not using samples anymore. We're actually asking the dogs to screen people directly. Um, so we don't ask people to put a swab under the armpit for two minutes. We just uh, walk the dog from person to person. Yeah, we wanted to have a, a dog that is well-loved by everyone. Uh, German Shepherds, unfortunately, don't have the same um, aura. What about, I'm quite intrigued, what about the difference? Can they, can they detect the difference between the Delta and, say, the Omicron variants or even the different variants between Omicron? How does that work? They can detect all variants. So um, the variant doesn't uh, make a difference. What can make a difference is when did the person get infected? So we've got now several cases where we can prove that the dog detected someone infected before the PCR. It, already, it happened just yesterday, we were screening students on campus and we had one case that was detected by a dog. The person did a PCR, PCR was negative, and today dog detected him again. And we say, well, for the dogs, you are definitely positive. And he did a rat test and the rat test is now positive. So we've got, we know that the dog, and that's already something we described on the first experiment when we were working in the airport. The dog can detect people before the PCR. They are very good doing all the infectious stage. But there's a sensitivity decrease after eight to 10 days after the PCR. So um, very good at the early infection, during the peak of infection, and there the sensitivity decreases. So if we compare dogs against PCR and rat tests as a screening tool, how do they fare taking into consideration the accuracy, the time and the cost? This is an excellent question that we are trying to answer. I can tell you that... Um, they are much better than the rat test. There is no, no comparison. But with the PCR, it's very difficult for us to compare it because our set of data is unfortunately not 
good enough to make a true comparison because very often we've got the PCR that is done when the dog uh, sniffing the person. And as I tell you, as I told you, sometimes the dog is positive and the PCR is going to be negative. And then we initially we said, well, the dog is wrong. But now we are starting to say, well, hang on a minute. Now that people are repeating tests and rat tests and so on, we're like, actually, maybe dogs are not wrong. So um, it's difficult to be fair to both tests. Um, so I prefer to not answer this question. I think they both have values. No tests are perfect. And the idea is to use several tests in parallel or even in series to be able to uh, detect positive cases. I mean, certainly it seems that time-wise... It, there's, it's it's a no-brainer. Dogs are so much faster than a PCR test. Yeah, dogs are, are much faster. So the idea will be to use the dog as a pre-screening tool. If you are positive on a dog, then you can go on the PCR. But as I told you, sometimes dog can miss also a case. So it's good to to repeat tests. And you've done these these studies um, in airports, but is there scope to use this? I mean, you just mentioned um, screening at campus the other day. Could we see this as a screening tool in educational institutions, in hospitals and other places like that? Honestly, dogs could be used anywhere. Um, they, they could definitely go in nursing homes, um, any hospital sitting, settings, any screening station, um, detention centers. I mean, like they could be used absolutely anywhere. I think that we will have to live with COVID at some point. Uh, we are actually now in the learning process of how to live with COVID. But in some places, we still need to actually make sure that COVID doesn't get in. So. To protect all the vulnerable, I think in the future, dogs could still be used at all the entry points and also in case of outbreak situations. At this stage, the dog can detect any variant. And we are now training dogs using a training aid that we developed. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a surrogate scent of COVID-19. And this can be done with any variant. So if we had a variant that was very different and that was causing problems in the community, we could train the dog to detect this specific variant. Is it expensive to train these dogs? Is it feasible that we could be rolling out these dogs in a lot of places if it's not too expensive? So the training of the dog is in itself not extremely expensive. But what I realized, and my specialty is, I'm an epidemiologist, and um, my specialty is emerging infectious disease and detection management tools. I never um, used dogs before. So what I realized is that actually having a lot of dogs in kennels is expensive. So um, keeping all those dogs and you want to make sure that you are offering them the best welfare. So we've got people playing with them on a daily basis and so on after their, their, their work shift. Um, so this is actually the expensive part. The training part is not that expensive at all. Okay, so taking this research further, medical alert dogs are now widely deployed for people with, say, life-threatening conditions such as, you know, allergies, diabetes, epilepsy, tachycardia syndrome. But is there more scope to broaden this out and actually look at the whole feasibility of using biodetection dogs in other areas as well or just more widely used in hospitals? I think it's really um, need to be explored and that's where we want to go. I don't think we can give a dog to every vulnerable people. I received many emails of people telling me 
their condition and saying, I need a dog to make sure that people who are approaching me are not positive. And that's unfortunately, I don't think it's feasible at this stage. The dog needs to uh, work, not doesn't, doesn't need to work on a daily basis, but needs to work and screen people to um, be at his peak of competency. Yeah, I'm just wondering because, you know, there are several um, diseases, I guess, that are really difficult to diagnose. And given the success of the dogs in the COVID sniffing trials, I'm wondering if they could be used as a sort of um, a backup screen tool, you know, maybe for different types of cancer or something. Oh, like yes, that. definitely. Um, the, the reason why dogs were initially used for um, disease detection was because one dog, it was a pet dog, kept going and sniffing a lesion from his owner. And the owner was surprised by this uh, and went to uh, seek medical advice. And it was a melanoma that fortunately for this person uh, could be removed uh, soon enough. So the dog actually saves the person's life. And when people discover that, they're like, oh, many cases actually started to appear. And um, they tried to train dogs for melanoma, and they proved to be extremely successful at detecting melanoma. And then the, stud the studies went on, and now we know that they can do prostate cancer, ovarian cancer. So for cancer type, it seems that dogs are actually reliable and could definitely be used as a screening tool in addition to the other tools. For infectious disease, it's a new field. So we know that dogs are good and um, rats are also good at detecting uh, tuberculosis. They are already, well, rats are being used in Africa to detect TB. TB is also a difficult disease. It's very hard to grow in the lab. So even the current technique are not perfect. So they're actually helping to uh, diagnose children with TB. We know that dogs and rats have been used in the US to detect avian influenza. And we started with COVID now because uh, obviously the pandemic was something we had to, uh, to help with. But we are currently working on other, other diseases that could be a threat either to public health or to the economy. So do you believe then there's growing awareness and acceptance that dogs could be actually used in this area, and this is, you know, a potential new research area that we should really be exploring and hopefully governments taking seriously. I think so. Uh, at least in Australia, we've been uh, funded by uh, the Department of Home Affairs so to prove that the government was on board. Um, and Australia was actually leading that. In other countries, it was more like done by charities or by research institutions. So in Australia, I think people are aware of the capacities and capabilities of the dog. Um, we use dogs a lot in the uh, airport setting, so we see dogs often. The public acceptance and the acceptance of the medical community is still something that we need to work on. But um, I think there is a channel of communication that has been opened, and now we just need to deliver uh, the hard data. But delivering the hard data is something difficult, um, I want to stress, because we are not dealing with machines, we are dealing with dogs, and each dog is a bit different. It's a, cha it's a challenge that we'll continue to work on. I want to also stress that uh, the World Health Organization, when we started uh, working on dogs, was very interested and is still very interested. We are actually reporting and sharing all our results. So there is a true interest, not only in Australia and in other countries, but at the um, highest uh, level um, when it comes to uh, global health. And what about, what about next steps with COVID or if you come to the end of the project? Are you moving into a new area now? 
No, no, we didn't come to the end yet. So we first developed the, the, the training aids, the surrogate scent of COVID-19. And um, then we trained the dog to screen people directly. And now we want to know how efficient they are at screening people directly. So it's good to know that they are good and reliable and fast when we actually um, use samples. But we, know, we need to know how good they are when we actually screen people. So that's the next phase of the project. We are going to compare the PCR and rat test results and dog results when people are screened directly. And we want to make sure that this tool is fit for purpose. So fit for purpose, that means that it can be used in different kind of settings and that we haven't done it yet. So that's something that we are going to explore in the next few months. Well, Annalise, it's clear that canine biodetection is emerging as a huge new field in medical and scientific research. And certainly your success with the COVID dog sniffer trials is, is just the tip of the iceberg. And I really look forward to hearing how that, that research develops. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for your questions and lightning questions. Mm-hmm.